Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. Yes, you heard right. It is uh, daylight saving has started. So uh, if you still sound asleep, I guess you're missing the first half of our program (laughs) this morning, which I wouldn't be at all surprised at because we've all had to drag ourselves into the studio an hour earlier. But anyway, we'll get used to it. We'll all adjust. It's just that we're always first cab off the rank with the new times in here in the, in the studio. Never mind. But uh, do stay tuned because uh, we'll be running through until uh, 9.15, our usual time slot. So I'm sure uh, everyone will catch up with us very shortly. Uh, first up, I have to say a very good morning to James B. Good morning, Good James. morning, Pam. How are you going today? Yeah, really good. I've, I do have that slightly tired tenor to my voice because of it, <laughs> because of having to get up uh, technically an hour earlier, but not really, but maybe I should just stop complaining and just harden up, really, and get on with it. <laughs> well, well, I'm trying to convince you. I've altered all the clocks, so yeah, we will, uh, we'll start ourselves just a trick you're playing on it. me? No. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you've got so much to talk about this morning, James. Yeah, I just got back from a trip to Central Australia yesterday, um, did a road trip with my dad and my brother and my partner um, wow. to Uluru. Yep. We were kind of talking about it with Dad about six months ago, and he's always said, oh, I've always wanted to go there. And Dad, dad Dad's like a utilitarian, old-school Scottish man, <laughs> and he never expresses any wants or desires or anything whatsoever. So right. for him to actually say, oh, I've always wanted to go there, that'd be, that'd be a good trip. We just had to pounce on it and book it and say, all right, well, you're doing it. So you're flying down to Melbourne and we're leaving from there and da-da-da. So, okay. So he actually, he actually he did it to, to all of our surprise. Wow. Yeah, and had a great time. Yeah, we, had a, we had a Winnebago, Winnebago that was like a, um, we were calling it the Egyptian-style casino on wheels because <laughs> it was just, it had everything. You know, it was fantastic. But um, lots of hours on the road. The, the, the desert oak that you start to see once you get kind of beyond... Um, the Flinders Ranges area in South Australia when you're pushing more into the interior. I think it's Alocasurina decaysniana. Um, it's just forever burned on my memory, really, because <laughs> there's just huge swathes of it all the way for hundreds and hundreds of kilometres. Right. Um, it's one of the only kind of tall arboreal um, plants in some areas, and it's just gorgeous, really nice, really, really dark bark, kind of a drooping a drooping leaf habit like Alocasurinas do. So- Corky bark? Yeah, kind of looks looks corky, but it looks more like um, it looks more like the bark of um one of the one of the iron barks like uh, um, oh the name of it's escaping me now. Um, I've got so many plant names in my head because <laughs> like we're we're going to somewhere where you've never been before when yes. you're a gardener. There's there's all these plants that you don't know. That's you right. Know? So you're constantly poring over guidebooks. You feel a bit lost sometimes. You do yeah. absolutely you do. And and being being in that environment as well, which is really quite a it's quite an alien environment really, and and harsh. You don't expect so many plants to be thriving there when you go, but it's it was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> And I, look, I really loved, um, I really, it was, when I first started studying horticulture, there was, there was a really big, uh, you know, amount of excitement over, um, eremophilas and, and there was lots of, um, 
grafting work going on with um, species to try and make them a bit more adaptable to the eastern seaboard. But they never really, they never really grabbed me as a as a plant, really. Mm. I, they, they just, I kind of went, mm, yeah. yeah they always mm. sort of fail in gardens. Well, like that's here, right. Yeah, they're hard. Did you see them? I saw there. so many wild species, yeah. dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens, and I went, oh, okay, I think I get it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it was great. Um, we we had a fantastic time. Didn't want to didn't want to come home. Um, yeah, but very inspirational as well. I have to say, yeah. And a very belated mo- good morning to Chloe Foster. Hi, morning, Chloe. Pam. How are you? <laughs> really well. <laughs> Have you been up to the, the centre at all? I did a school trip in year 11 when we went up there. It was I was still a little bit plant blind then, so I can't really remember much of what I saw. <laughs> but we did... Um, it was with one of the pastors at the school I went to. It was the um, town pastor at Hermansburg in the West McDonald. Oh, Rangers. right. Mm. So we really, we spent some time with the people who live up there and they took us into areas that whitefellas aren't allowed, uh, well, you need permits yeah, to get great. into. And awesome. Went, and um, went witchy grub digging in um, the acacia roots. Goodness me. It was, it was really cool. It was, I just remember it being so red, you know, and then flying mm. home to Melbourne and you're like, oh, green. Yeah, yeah, green. It was just, and <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's confronting coming back to the green. I yeah, found. it is actually, isn't it? Because it kind of when you drive there, it's, the 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 red kind of creeps up on you. Yes. And it's like the it's like the frog in boiling water thing. You mm. just all of a sudden you go, oh, everything's really red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything's stained red. Did you? I remember my backpack. Oh my yes. Clothes, and in the washing machine when I came home, the water that was coming out was red. <laughs> I mean, I've been on a school camp, we hadn't done any washing and <laughs> brought it all home after like 11 days or something. All right. <laughs> it was just filthy. <laughs> it would have been walking out the door. <laughs> yeah, I think they were. I think they were. <laughs> I was surprised by how, because um, you have to stay at Yulura or Yulula, Yulara or something like that. I can't, I can't remember the name of it already. I was too busy looking at plants the whole time. And it's really hard being, you know, in a troop of four on a road trip and you're the only one who's really into plants. Oh, that would have been hard. I feel for you. Because every time you stop to, you know, have a have a wee behind a non-existent <laughs> tree somewhere in the middle of the desert, and you go, oh, what's that? What's that little plant on the ground there? And then all of a sudden, everyone in the van is shouting at you. We're waiting for <laughs> you. Yeah, Hurry yeah, up. Come on. Um, but the 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 bit of uh, ornamental horticulture that they're doing around around the camp around Uluru. Um, it's just it's it's a really good illustration of the difference that a little bit of water makes or you know because a lot of the species that they grow as ornamental plants around around the campground and around the resort they're actually indigenous to the area mm. but they're irrigating all the time because they have to to keep stuff growing and flowering yeah. um, and with just a little bit of a little bit of water and a little bit of irrigation you know these species are absolutely you know going gangbusters um, and it was really quite impressive and I'd always wanted to see um, Crotillaria Cunninghamia in the flesh, mm. kind of like a like a beautiful green flowered pea, um, and there were several stands of that around there that were okay. that were oh, doing that really well. Mm. Yeah. I saw that at Kings Park last year, and I was pretty excited. Isn't it wonderful? It's a very yeah, it's a weird colour. It's it that is, like yeah. a limey, you know, part of it's limey green, and then the yellow, like a ye- yellow green at the tip. Yeah, yep. the black. Yeah, sort of black lines. On it's it. gorgeous. I think yeah. I've got a photo here that I might be able to send to get put up on um, to get put up on Facebook, yeah, so yeah, people at that. home can have a look at it as well. Do that. Um, 
but yeah, look, it was it was really really great, and um, we went to Kings Canyon as well. All right. Um, uh, afterwards, on the way uh, on the way back to uh, Alice Springs. Um, Did you come across much um, Spinifex <coughs> Triodia? I think it's Spinifex is Triodia. Yeah, it is. I didn't see as much of it as I thought I would. Yeah, um, okay. Because I did. I, I went. I was at the Flinders Ranges about probably five or six years ago, and we did a we did like a sunset tour thing that you organised um, through the resort there, and that was really good. And I saw a lot of the Triodia on that trip, so yeah. I was looking out for it this time. But I didn't. I didn't see a lot of it this time. I'm not yeah. sure what it was when I was over there, but I had to throw out a pair of tracky pants when I got home because the, I, I think I'd say it would be the Triodia because it hurts the irritant species. Yeah, right. They all um, all the the tips of the blades of of their grass broke off in my tracky pants when I was oh. like walking through and Ooh. so you'd sit down and Ooh. you'd get spiked. Yeah, nah. <laughs> I had to throw them out. <laughs> we climbed up to the top of, I, I don't know what it was called, it was somewhere out west. Um, we climbed up to the top of one of these bluff, one of the bluffs, one of the mountains Yeah. and um, I remember all the way up there were these this, these triodias, what, what I now think is triodia, yep. all the way up and I was just wearing tracksuit pants yeah. and... Oh, it hurt. <laughs> I think being in a school group, they would say, "Watch out for this thing." Yeah, yeah it's you, out there. You'd think, you know, yeah, you'd think, it's going to cause you a great amount of discomfort. If you're <laughs> not sure, yeah. I don't know, but oh, it's such beautiful country. It's it's just so different. It is it's, like an alien world it or something is like, like an alien that. Really, world. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's something that everyone should hopefully get to experience. Fantastic. Yeah. So, how long were you away altogether, James? Um, we were away for. Two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And that so included driving up there and back. Just over two weeks. I think it was yep. fifteen days or something All like right. that. But okay. Yeah. The drive was. Um. Uh, the, the drive surprised me. I'm. I'm not usually good at long term in a car. Um. But I just think it was having everyone together and being on the trip and you know having Uluru was the end goal. Yeah. It was. It was. Um. It How was, long did it take you to drive up? We did it at a pretty relaxed you pace. And, well, we went through the Kunawara and the Barossa beforehand, ah. so there may have been wine. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he was so relaxed about yeah. the drive. <laughs> Never combining the two, of course. Yeah. Oh, no. I was stalking you on Instagram while you were away. Uh-huh. Acacia Puce? Acacia why, Pusey. Why, why were you so excited about oh, I, I first heard a I first heard a radio program on Acacia Pusey, um on the ABC about, oh, it would be 10 years ago, I reckon. Um, and it was a tree that was really quite, I'm not sure widespread is the word, but there were a lot more of them in the interior um, when European settlement happened. Right. Um, but the wood was really good for, for making fence posts, if you can believe it, <laughs> which is kind of tragic because um, it's such a slow-growing species that by the time it gets to a stage where you could even harvest it for a fence post... It's probably like 60 or 70 years old. Oh, wow. So, oh, so long-lived acacia. Yeah, very long-lived. So the ones, the stands that they have of mature specimens, and, they, and there really aren't more than a couple of dozen of them left, I think, maybe even less than that. Mm. Um, they're several hundred years old and, um, you know, re- they, they, they're quite redolent of the... Um, of the Allocasiorina decaseniana that I was talking about, the desert oak, which is just ubiquitous around there, um, looks quite similar to that in form, um, but much slower growing. Um, and there's quite a bit of conservation work and stuff going on with it as well. Its common name is the waddy tree because the Aboriginal people used to make waddies out of it, mm. like clubs and things. Um, 
But just, I don't know, not the most attractive acacia in the it's world. It's just obviously a plant that's grabbed you. Yeah, but for some reason, I've, I've just wanted to see one in the flesh <laughs> for a very long time, and I finally got to scratch that itch at the Olive Pink Botanic Garden in Alice Springs, actually. Okay. I've heard that's a, a beautiful botanic ago. garden. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Really, really good. I was like that. I saw, I was in Perth early last year and I saw uh-huh. Eucalyptus macrocarpa growing right. wild. And that's my favourite eucalyptus. So its common name is the Rose of the West. And the flowers can get to 10 centimetres in diameter. They're yeah, just, nice. they're huge. And it's got um, really bright, silvery foliage. And it's one of the Mallee mm. eucalypts. Mm. And I got to see in the wild. I was so excited. <laughs> I think I took a few selfies and <laughs> there were lots of photos taken. It was great. And it was just, yeah, I could see it for miles and it was just plonked. It was like a paddock tree. It was really exciting. So I, I know how you feel yeah. seeing that occasion. It's funny, the, all the, the plants that you see when you see them growing in cultivation, but, but there's this itch that you want to see them growing in their natural habitat. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it's it is. It's good to be able to scratch that. I like that <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> Did you happen to see it in flower at all or were you too late for that? Yeah, too late for that, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 And it was just a little, um, quite a small specimen in the botanic garden there. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you so, know what the flowers are like? No, I haven't actually seen it in flower before. Okay. Um, um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely certain. I'm um I'm just trying to get this picture of uh, that crotalaria. I would I'd like that one to get put up on Facebook as well because that's just absolutely gorgeous. Really. Well, I might leave you to do that while I get onto some community <laughs> oh, that, announcements. That would be handy. Awesome, <laughs> might, thank you. So you can concentrate on one thing at a time. <laughs> and of course, being spring, I do still have a lot of community announcements to get through. So we'll make a start. First up, uh, Warringal Orchid Society have got their spring show on. Uh, it's running today from 9.30 through to 4 o'clock. It's at Sansava Community Centre, which is at 212 Diamond Creek Road in Greensboro. Melway's map reference is 11C. Uh, there's ample parking, there's wheelchair access. There'll be orchid plants for sale, refreshments, orchid books, plant food, uh, repotting demonstrations, Devonshire teas, potting bark and uh, accessories. Admission is $5 and uh, entry and uh, the sales are cash only for that one. Okay, uh, I think most people will realise, uh, if you were listening last week, that uh, the Garden Lovers Fair is on, uh, this is its second day today, up in the beautiful Bolabek Gardens. Uh, now, um, as I say, this is uh, a fair for, some, for everybody, the stall holders, including local and interstate specialist plant growers, ornamental vegetable seed specialists, garden sculptures, garden accessories, as well as artisan tool makers and booksellers. Um, there'll be uh, lots of personalities uh, speaking. I know uh, Stephen was up there yesterday. I think Penny is talking today. Uh, succulents enthusiast Attila Capitani is going to be talking as well today. There'll be food, wine and refreshments all available. And... Uh, The uh, entry includes the fair and the garden. It's $12 for adults. Well, $20 for the weekend doesn't count anymore because we've... uh, Tomorrow, I mean, yesterday's gone. But $12 for adults. Children aged 18 years and under are free. And uh, if you want more information, you can go to gardenloversfair.com.au. Now, the address of Bollebeck... (laughs) 
is 370 Mount Macedon Road in Mount Macedon, and I know that will be well signposted. Uh, also open today up in the same area, so you can go to both if you've got the time. Uh, for Open Gardens Victoria, Glen Rannick Garden is open. Uh, it's open 10 a.m. through to 4.30. It's at 84 Devonshire Lane in Mount Macedon. Uh, entry for that one is $8, children under 18 free, students $5. You can bring a picnic to uh, Glen Rannick and uh, have that picnic on the lawns if you wish. Uh, but that's two wonderful uh, events on both within close proximity of each other. Now, I had a message come through during the week to say that uh, Cherry Hill are extending their Blossom Festival with the uh, warm weather that we've had. The Blossom has held on, and so they've extended it up to include uh, this weekend. So it will close today at 5 o'clock, but it's opening 10 a.m., running through till 5. It's uh, at 474 Queens Road, Wandon East in the Yarra Valley, uh, entry, adults $10, children aged 4 to 13 $5, children aged 3 and under are free. Every entry includes a free bottle of Cherry Hill's delicious Cherish Spritzer. Uh, there's a Kids Bee workshop for $5 per person um, and uh, lots and lots of photo opportunities in amongst all the cherry blossom there in the orchard. Okay, also, of course, still running uh, is the Tesla Tulip Festival. It's running right through until October the 14th. Uh, their um, address is 357 Monbulk Road in Sylvan. It's open 10 o'clock this morning, running through until 5 o'clock, and the Melway's reference for that one is 123B5. Uh, now... Open Gardens Victoria are running a couple of workshops, plant workshops coming up. Now, the first one is actually today, and I don't know if there's any places left for this. Um, if you jumped online onto their website, you could find out if it's still possible to book in. This is down at uh, Royal Botanic uh, Gardens Victoria, down at Cranbourne, uh, and... Uh, Horticultural Manager John Arnott and Landscape Planner Jill Burness will present the workshop Dream It, Design It, Do It, which is providing a behind-the-scenes look at the inspiration for creating this, uh, the site down at Cranbourne and advice on how you can adapt ideas from Cranbourne to z design with Australian plants in your own home garden. Now, it will include a guided tour of the Australian Garden with live commentary aboard the Explorer bus. Morning tea will be provided on arrival and there will be time to explore the gardens at your leisure. You can also take a picnic lunch or you can book a table at the cafe located on site. Now, um, the address of Cranbourne is corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive in Cranbourne. Now, it is running from 10.30 through till 3.00. As I say, you would need to jump online and just check that uh, there are still tickets available for that one. Tickets are $50 per person. Uh, now, the other workshop that uh, Open Gardens Victoria are running comes up next Saturday, the 13th of October, 
And this is a workshop presented by Jason Kong, Chong, I should say. Now, um, this is all about indoor plants. I don't know if people have... Uh, uh, Jason's been featured a few times on television. Uh, he recently had a sale of some indoor plants and um, I took my uh, youngest daughter along to it and the queue was going up the street, round the corner, round the block. Uh, indoor plants are just um, <coughs> the in thing at the moment. They it's not really just Christmas are. trees anymore. Oh, no, <laughs> no, it's indoor plants. Well, <laughs> nuts for them. Yes. Well, Jason is an absolute master at, uh, at looking after indoor plants, so this is a very exciting workshop, particularly for um, maybe some of the younger budding gardeners in our audience. Um, it's being held at the Plant Society, which is at 33 to 39 Keel Street in Collingwood. As I mentioned, it's next Saturday, running from 4 o'clock till 6 o'clock, so it's a, a late afternoon workshop. Uh, tickets are $35. Bookings, of course, are essential. And to book for this one, again, you go to Open Gardens Victoria website. Just type in Open Gardens Victoria and it will all come up and you'll be able to book for that one. Now, um, it's going to be an informal social session. Um, you'll learn a range of basic indoor gardening skills, including watering regimes, the best light access, repotting, general maintenance of your plants, and um, he will also share information about selecting the right plants uh, and there'll be time for a Q&A session uh, followed by a tour of his new Collingwood showroom at the Plant Society. So uh, that should be a really interesting one if you're at all interested in indoor plants. Now, the other exciting event coming up, uh, which I mentioned last week, uh, it's taking place in the Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne and uh, this is in conjunction with uh, Inter Melbourne International Arts Festival and it's called Fire Gardens. It's uh, being set up by um, a French group and they are absolutely setting, uh, setting the Botanic Gardens a light. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep talking, Pam. Yeah. Not sure I'm a fan. <laughs> but they're not going to do any damage to any of the plants. They're just going to illuminate the whole thing. It, it should be amazing. There's going to be loads and loads of insta installations right. dotted throughout the gardens, um, all to do with fire. Hmm. Um, as well as that, they've got... Um, they've got uh, <clears throat> a soundscape to go with it. Mm. Uh, so there's going to be this amazing ethereal music behind it as you wander through and see the gardens in a whole different light. Um, I think it should be absolutely incredible. They have, uh, they have done some of these, uh, these installations uh, overseas um, at quite famous places. They've done it at Stonehenge, um, a bridge in Vietnam, a former prison in Morocco. Um, they've done it at the Kremlin. Mm. Um, so it should be it should be absolutely amazing. As I say, it's been put together uh, for more than 20 years by French artists um, who call themselves Compagnie Carabosse, mm. and uh, they're coming to, to uh, Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. Now it's it's running from Wednesday the 10th to Saturday the 13th of October, so um, not this too week. far away. This week, in fact. Um, uh, now, there's three sessions on each of those uh, days, 7.30, 8.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30, 9.30,
8.30 and 9.30pm. All tickets are $25 and I think that sounds like it's cheap at the price mm. for for what should be a really, really amazing uh, way of, of seeing the Botanic Gardens in mm. a new light, mm. literally. Yeah. Yeah, so um, good one for that one. And I'd love to hear feedback if any of our listeners uh, do get to go to that one. Mm. I'd love them to ring us in next week and tell us all about it mm. because it yeah. sounds amazing, mm. really amazing. Uh, okay, just a couple more I really need to get through because they're all coming up uh, so soon. Um, I'm looking at, again, next weekend, and this is a native plant show. The South Gippsland Group of Australian Plant Society are having their annual native plant uh, flower show in Leangatha, uh, 10 through till 4 on both uh, Saturday and Sunday of next weekend. Now, the show features a wonderful, extensive display of native flowers grown locally with a huge range of named specimens. There will be a big range of plants for sale from local wholesale nurseries and uh, it's at the Bunurong uh, Environment Centre. Oh, no, sorry, the Bunurong Environment Centre from Inverloch will be uh, present there with books and things for sale. So the show is actually being held at the Leangatha Recreation Reserve in the club rooms there on site. There's plenty of off-street parking. Uh, just remember to bring your own bags or boxes to take your purchases. And adult entry is $4. It's open 10 through to 4 on both days. And if you'd like more information, the number to ring is 5664 Triple two one. That's five double six four triple two one. Now, just um, oh gosh, there's You've so got a pile. much. Oh, and I have yeah. got a pile. Sam has a pile of papers <laughs> about fifteen <laughs> centimetres thick. <laughs> it's, it's quite tragic, really. <laughs> it's there's so much going on. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> uh, I'll try and get through the rest of these. It's just 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 a few more that I really must get to. Um, what I might do is open up our talkback line so that if, you're, if you'd like to uh, give us a call this morning, you can uh, get prepared while I'm just going through the last of these. That number, if you'd like to speak to the team on air, we've got James Beatty and Chloe Foster in the studio this morning. The number is 94190155. And this morning we have Liz on the outside line. If you want to have a chat to Liz, 94198155. Okay, back to the announcements. Um, Cloud Hill Spring Garden Weekend is on next weekend as well. Mm. There's going to be lots of free activities. There's going to be mini workshops on both days, garden tours between 11.30 and 3.30, and I know our good friend Jeremy Francis is going to be uh, doing those. There's going to be Scarecrow competition display from local schools, uh, there'll be a peonies display from the expert Ronnie uh, Beckel, uh, which will be 11am through to 3pm on the Saturday. Lots of children's activities and uh, the mini workshop programs will include uh, workshops on camellias and rhododendrons, flowers from seeds, heirloom uh, heroes with digger seed manager, all about tomatoes, climbers for your garden and clematis. Uh, citrus, berries and on it goes So 13th and 14th of October 9am so it's an early start Through till 5 so running all day And Cloud Hill Gardens is at 89 Alinda Monbulk Road in Alinda 
If you're a member of the Diggers Club uh, and or under 16, entry is free. For visitors, it's $10 for that one. Uh, also, let me see, uh, Geelong Botanic Gardens, the Friends Group, have got their next uh, themed uh, guided walk at the gardens. This is happening next Sunday, 14th of October, 2 o'clock uh, in the afternoon, and uh, it's going to be highlighting Australia's iconic plants. So uh, that's a themed walk, 2 o'clock next uh, Sunday, and uh, <coughs> entry is gold coin donation. You meet your guide at the front steps of the Geelong Botanic Gardens. Uh, Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges. We've given it uh, a fair bit of publicity. I don't know if there's any seats still available, but it's definitely worth a try. Um, our good friend Virginia's garden is going to be featured in it. And, in fact, she's going to be one of the botanical guides on uh, some of the buses. Now, it's running 17th to the 20th and 24th to the 27th. And uh, each, uh, each day that it's running, uh, they're going to different uh, gardens. So you can book for more than one. You have uh, a wonderful uh, chance of visiting, as I say, not only local gardens, but there'll be some amazing lunches, there'll be some wines. Um, it's, uh, it's really a, a, an excellent, uh, excellent event that they've now run for the last uh, several years. Uh, the best way of uh, finding out exactly who, which gardens they're going to on which day and what's still available is go, to go online, um, and that's where the bookings are. You go to Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges, all one word, .com.au. But if you just uh, punch in Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges, it will all come up. Uh, just two more that I really should mention. In fact, one more that's really important because, uh, because uh, bookings are open for this one. And this is a coach tour to West Gippsland Gardens. Uh, it's taking place on Saturday the 20th of October. It's being run by Encouraging Women in Horticulture. And uh, as I say, it's going to several gardens uh, down in West Gippsland. So they're going to be visiting Baramba, Country Farm Perennials Garden and Nursery, Piccadilly and the Garden at Broughton Hall. Morning tea and lunch will be included. It departs uh, from Federation Square at 8.30am, returning at about 5.45pm. Uh, now, for members of Encouraging Women in Horticulture, $85. For non-members, $120. Student members, $80. Student non-members, $100. And uh, for payment and to RSVP, um, you do need to do that by Tuesday the 15th of October, which is why I had to get to this one, even though it's not happening till the 20th. Uh, so time's running out. And to book, you go to events at ewha.com.au. So that's events at ewha.com.au for that one. Okay, well, as I mentioned, it's high time for our listeners to join us. If you'd like to, uh, give us a call, the number 94190155 to speak to James or Chloe. And uh, if you'd like to have a chat to Liz on the outside line, 94198377. 
Now, what I haven't mentioned before we get to any of the plants we brought in is that uh, today is the start of Mental Health Awareness Week. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, there is an extremely strong link between horticulture and uh, benefits to Mm. mental health. Mm. James, do you want to start the ball rolling? How on earth does gardening um, help? Well, it's a it's an interesting thing because it crosses so many so many different kind of sections and perceptions as well. Um, one of the one of the gardens that I've done is for a um, is for an aged care facility just recently, and one of the things that we wanted to achieve with that garden was to make it a space that encourages um, the residents to go outside, and not only that, but engage with the garden as well and when you look at the suite of people that they have staying at that place, um, there's people who have quite bad dementia um, and things as well. And we've used a lot of scented plants in the garden mm. as a way of creating there's that precept in psychology called sensory modality, where you're, you're, you, you lay down memories based on how it engages your different senses. Mm-hmm. So the way something smells will lay down a memory. The way something, the way something feels at the touch will lay down a memory. Um, and gardens, gardens really can tick all of those boxes. Um, mm. You know, put a few edible plants in there as well, and you can get taste in there too. Yes. Um, and and those those um, those memories that people have, and being able to connect with them again, um, can make a big difference. Especially mm. you know, especially if you're in the grips of um, some kind of gen- degenerative disease as well. But you know, even if you're not, even if you're not living in an old folks' home. Um, <laughs> Gardening has gardening has some wonderful benefits for for mental health and just just the act of getting your hands in the dirt has been proven to be really good for your mental health um, and even just being around green it's is connecting good. with nature yeah that's which, right yeah when we're stuck inside if you're in an aged care you're inside yep like a lot of the time mm, absolutely and, and you know if you're working full time you're inside mm. a lot of the time and it's that connect connection with nature mm. and we were talking well. about indoor plants before as well mm. yes and bring I nature think, in i think that's getting very popular now because yeah. not everyone has a backyard anymore yeah so. i'm generally an outside gardener but yeah. people are becoming inside gardeners that's right yeah. that's right it's becoming a bit of a privilege to be an outside gardener it in is. this day and age yeah, i reckon <laughs> <laughs> well of course there's the this uh, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is is getting people out into the fresh air. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And getting active as well. So getting it's not active, just active so for your body, but active for your mind. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and of course, once you once you're engaged, um, that is going to relieve stress. It's, mm. uh, they've shown this with research time and time again. Mm. People leave behind literally. Their worries inside because they get out into that fresh air. They connect with the plants, and and this is where touch and feel and sensor, you know, all your senses come to it life. It all comes in, and yeah. it engages you, and so you start to de-stress. Mm. And um, it's it's about like mindfulness as well. It's you become you're present in what you're doing mm. instead exactly. of worrying about what you've got to do, worrying about what you just did mm. right exactly. or wrong. Mm. Exactly. You get out into the garden, you're like, I'm digging a hole. <laughs> I'm putting a plant in there, or I'm pulling some weeds out. You are you are present in what you're doing yeah. at that moment and that's also a, a, a form of stress release. That's a good point actually. Well, I've never really thought about that before but yeah. but you're bang on because it's, it's the here and now really isn't yep. it and you're right there in the moment yep. and, and it does it takes you out of yourself and you know you can get into a bit of a funk and that kind of stuff and 
if I if I don't do at least a bit of gardening every day, I get a bit I get a bit shirty. You know? <laughs> I do. And just like God, That's I need really to go earthy. and pull out some weeds or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jeez. <laughs> well, you know, a, a Dutch study um, actually asked two groups of people to complete a stressful task, mm-hmm. and then compl- concluded uh, that gardening for thirty minutes after that stressful task. Resulted in lower cortisol levels, and cortisol is the hormone associated with stress. Yes. So it actually they've they've actually documented and measured this. Mm. So it definitely lowered the stress just mm. after 30 minutes mm-hmm. of being out in the garden. Mm. So um, and when cortisol is released into your body, your body processes it processes it as a sugar. So yes. and sugar isn't good for you. So yeah, that's another thing that's that's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, the other really interesting thing, and you... you You've got some fun facts about mental health over there. <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> Good, go. <laughs> well, the other interesting thing, and you mentioned just almost as in passing getting your hands in the soil, mm. but there's been studies done now. There's actually scientific reason that uh, gardening makes you happy, and this is because um, even if you're just walking in the garden and breathing in the air, or if you're putting your hands in the soil, in the soil um, there is a healthy bacteria that actually mm. lives in the soil that in, can increase levels of uh, scrotinin and uh, that... Um, serotonin? That, yes, no. that does. That brings about, that produces serotonin. Mm. Right. So you actually are inducing oh. a happier state of mind uh, with this pi- particular bacteria, which is in all gardening soils. Yeah, great. <clears throat> and no wonder the kids look so happy when they eat fistfuls of dirt. You know, <laughs> yeah. When they're really little, well, they always look so, so off their chops when they do that. Yeah. But they're actually, they're actually saying, let the kids do it. Yeah, no, so absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to ingest it. But you, know what? you don't want to do this with potting, because that's got some... <clears throat> no, 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 no. This yeah. is garden, garden soil, yeah. which yeah. is quite Earth. different. Yes. yes. But you can actually breathe it in if you go. So you can for breathe a walk. it in as well. You I didn't know you could breathe it in. in. You can actually right. absorb it. Okay. A V Bishop has just sent me a message with a fun fact. She said trees release chemicals that protect them against disease, and when we breathe breathe them in, it's been proven to bu- to boost our immune system. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then she mentioned something about forest bathing in Japan. Yeah, yes. that's an interesting I cultural heard of that. thing. Haven't over you? There. Yeah. No. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes. Are you close? Well, it depends on how much fun you want to have. You can go au naturel over there. But But, I mean, even going for a walk outside, like I have um, the Torella and Dandenong Creek trails right Mm -hmm. near me, so I walk along them. And it's not gardening, but there's trees around me and there's green. And as a mindfulness thing, I walk along and try to ID all, all the plants that I see <laughs> to, to keep me present. Yeah. I don't know what people do that are a little bit plant blind. Yeah. I think they just listen to music. But take the headphones out sometime maybe and have a look around what you're yes, walking past. Yes, yes, I, I agree with that. that. Might, that uh, that's uh, really another mental health tool. A great example of that up where I live. I live in, um, I live in Reservoir, Reservoir as the locals say. Um, <laughs> and at my local train station, I'm the one just south of the Reservoir station, and we've got this big planting of bottle brushes and and around this time every year they erupt into just this mm. orgy of red flowers yeah. you know and it looks great it looks so good but seeing people going to work in the morning when i used to work in the city and i used to get the train every morning nine nine out of 10 people walking past that station yeah. when those flowers are in full flight 
don't even notice. Oh no! You know they don't even they don't even look up. Yeah. You know? And it's that that mindfulness thing. You know, be aware of your surroundings yeah. and have a look. Have a look where you are. Sometimes it can be really yeah. They're really probably beautiful. just focused on getting to the train, getting into that train, That's getting right. to work. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if they looked at the flowers, yes. they'd be a bit less stressed going yes. to work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pretty flower. Oh, there's yeah. the bees around. Yeah. It. <laughs> they might see the bee that comes and stings them. <laughs> <laughs> Malicious bees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Two things we haven't mentioned. Firstly, if you even get out into the garden for 30 minutes every day, you will sleep better. And mm, a good mm, night's mm. sleep also improves your whole outlook on life. Mm. It improves you, 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 it gives you a positive mental attitude yeah. towards uh, life. So it's, go on. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Really. Um, I read something about, um, teen, um, mental health in teenagers <coughs> and sleep. They're yes. not getting up, and you know, can lead to depression. And the suicide rates for young people mm. is so high Shocking. at the moment; it's terrible. Oh, but it's I shocking. know that so many of them, and my students, uh, some of them, don't sleep. They go; they're on their phones until one thirty, two a.m., and then they have to get up, you know, and go to school, go to work at you know seven o'clock, mm. six thirty, or something. Mm-hmm. And they're getting five hours sleep a night. It sleep is an absolutely huge part of because mm. everything while you're asleep, it, everything heals itself and restores for the next day. If you mm. don't get enough sleep, exactly, you're behind the eight ball to yeah, begin with. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Okay, another couple of interesting ones. Mm. Um, I've read that they've shown that uh, people with autism getting into the garden can help improve behaviour and social social interactions because. Those with autism can get a sensory overload mm. when they're inside with loud noise, cramped space, mm. strong smells. When they go outside, there's a sense of freedom and a little more control and consequently their behaviour is more regulated. Mm. So I teach cert to horticulture yes. and I teach um, the kids I teach are from a special school in Dandenong. They've got autism, high-functioning um, and learning disabilities. Yep. And we've been doing the program since July and the teachers have said the improvement in the kids' general behaviour and health since they've started the program. They've, you know, they've got responsibilities and they've got a job now and they're learning new things and they're out of their classroom essentially. But how their behaviour has improved Mm. has been uh, so noticeable Mm. and it happens a lot. These kids, they're just so excited to get outside. Mm. They don't want to be in the classroom. No, That's not how they learn. Yeah. How our society is structured with, you know, and how education is structured for most people is very um, rigid, mm. may, might be the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and for some people, that just doesn't work. Mm. So, you know, a practical, more practical approach where these, you know, these kids are outside more often mm. and learning differently. Do you think they're more relaxed? When you, you know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. they're not, and they're less worried mm. about, you know, being in school and I'm dumb and I'm, yeah, you know, okay. it's a labelling thing as well. Sure. Um, you know, they've been labelled with a learning disability. Yeah. So they can't do right, something right. that I can't, and I mean, that comes back to your mental state as well. Is mm. Exactly. What you, you know, the things that you tell yourself that you can and can't do, mm. and, you know, those kids have been labelled, well, you have autism, you have ADHD, mm. and they're like, oh, well, I can't. They think that I can't do stuff. Mm. And I was talking to them last week, and some of these, like, horticulture is a very technical, um, there's a lot of technical language and mm. botanical names and, you know, other, for, you know, things that fall under horticulture. And, you know, we take things slow, but 
these kids are un- they're understanding things. It just takes a little bit longer. Mm. But and if they <clears throat> plant a seed or a seeding seedling and it grows, mm-hmm. then it's self-esteem as well that they're yep. gaining from that gardening experience. Mm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And they've they've planted out some new garden beds with plants, and they can actually them succeed at something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. On a philosophical level, I've thought about this quite a bit in the past, but if you're a, if you're a mad keen gardener and gardening in general when you get into it you're always looking forward you know if if you were asking me what was happening in my garden two years ago i probably wouldn't be able to tell you but if you you say what are you thinking about doing in a couple of years time and like well i'm actually going to be shifting this around and maybe getting rid of that (laughs) yeah you know, yeah. So you're always making plans, yeah. and you're always looking to the future yeah. kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. I'm sure that's something a big part. to do. Very positive. Yeah. Very positive. Extremely. Yeah. Getting back to um, <coughs> the message that AB sent through to us, um, I've, I've just got here. I'll, I'll, I'll just give out the technical term. Um, the Japanese, it's a, it's a particular term for spending time in nature. Mm that recognises its therapeutic benefits, and it's Shinrin-yoku, and um, it means forest bathing, and it's at the core of their preventative health care in Japanese medicine. There you go. And the premise is simple. You visit a natural area, you walk in a relaxed way, and there'll be calming, rejuvenating, and restorative benefits. Mm. That sounds nice. Lovely. Yeah. Like your walks nice. that you go on yeah. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other thing I'd really like to mention before we, we, uh, we get on to some, um, uh, some plant uh, discussion is that um, when I was researching uh, the book that Penny and I did on community gardens, um, it was my job to interview all the gardeners from different ethnic backgrounds and um, and. The garden represented so much for those people because when they arrived in Australia, they couldn't speak English. Mm. Often um, the husband had come out, you know, six years earlier and um, by the time he'd uh, managed to bring out the wife and the children, he'd taken up with another woman. So the, the woman arrives in Australia, a foreign country, you know, several kids in tow, can't speak English. She gets to one of these high-rise public housing estates. The first thing she f- discovers is the community garden. Mm. And to get into that garden, it's a life saviour. Mm. Because otherwise she's stuck in her little flat up, you know, so many stories up above the ground. Mm. She doesn't know anybody. To come down into the garden, not only is that fresh air and she can bring the children, but she gets to meet other gardeners. And they're all from different ethnic backgrounds. They've all learned how to communicate with each other, um, be it by hand gestures or gradually she might find two or three others that speak the same language as her. They can fill her in on... on, um, you know, where the local doctor is, chemist, particularly one that can maybe can speak their language, where the local school is. Mm. They can, uh, she can start planting and planting um, seeds and plants of things that she might have grown at home mm. and things that she cooks mm. for her own ethnic cooking. So it, already it's forming a, a place where she's starting to feel at home, a connectedness, mm. and she meets friends. Yeah. And in these community gardens, often in summertime, they'll all bring down food to share. They'll sit and relax and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, every single gardener that I interviewed, no matter what ethnic background they came from, 
all said, the garden is my saviour. Yeah, right. It's my mm. absolute... If that wasn't there, they would have had a harder time. Look, yeah. I mean, they, they've yeah, come from, from war-torn areas. Mm. Uh, many of them have lost family. Um, family have been uh, spread to all parts of the world when they've tried to escape mm-hmm. from, uh, from their original uh, home. Because of the, of the unrest, uh, they're traumatised. The garden is just everything. Mm. It really is. And, and you can't underestimate all of that is coming just from the fact mm. that they got a chance mm. to go and garden, share with others and put their hands in the soil and grow what they're familiar yep. with. So there's a social aspect. There's huge a, and social a, aspect. a huge social yeah. aspect. And yep. all of that impacts onto their mental health. Yep. Yeah. The connection between that as well and community connectedness is one of a it's a huge determinant in mental health as well mm. as well as kind of longevity and overall life satisfaction as well. Yeah. So to be engaged with your local community is is a really good thing for your mental health. Absolutely. And gardening is a great kind of you know linchpin for that i reckon mm. it's really really good um i've got m- my backyard's mostly kind of edible but my front yard is is all ornamental and uh, you know the only thing i wanted when i designed it was i wanted lots of flowers yep. so yeah. you know i've got lots of flowers out there but i'm always out there tending to it and i'm always out you know fannying about with bits and pieces <laughs> but consequently we live near the train station we get lots of people walking past mm. and i know like half a dozen to a dozen people that just stop and have a chat and yep. you know hey go and what have you been up to? And there you go. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Exactly. You know, give them plants and things yeah. every now and yes. again and made a couple of friends yes. and even got a bit of work out of it as well. So, yeah. Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's not just something that, you know, I get enjoyment out of. It's something that people walking past the garden get enjoyment out and of as well. And you have your nature strip garden as well, which would be another talking point. Yeah, that's oh, yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So it's out there for all to see and people people love to engage with it. Yeah, yeah they yes. do. Yeah. Well, we, we all... We're gregarious animals. Mm. We need to engage with people. Mm. And and any pensioner who's living on their own, who's stuck in their house, if they can just get outside, garden their nature strip, or, yeah. or there are so many community gardens now springing up in, in you know, in so many suburbs, there has to be one nearby be to one them. Nearby. <laughs> and, and they don't even know, have to know how to garden because if they just go along... Yep. Everyone will help and give yeah. advice. They'll be given a job. Exactly. <laughs> yes. There's and always something you do in a garden. Even well. wheelbarrowing mulch, or yeah. you know, and they'll start to learn yeah. and get to meet friends, yeah. and it gives mm. them something to get out of bed for. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So um, hugely important. I get people weeding when they come round to my garden or my house. I'm like, oh, can you just go pull out some of those things? I'm gonna have to try that. Help actually. me prune this apple tree. <laughs> that's, that's genius. Yeah. yeah. Just make sure they know which is the weed and which is. <laughs> well, that, funny you say that because I had a bit of a when I moved into my place just over 12 months ago. I've been battling weeds for 12 months. So when I moved in, my future plan for the garden was to deal with the weeds and then I can start planting and I've ju- I'm just starting to like put some plants in. Oh, yeah, you're getting okay. to the fun part. So fun. <laughs> so, so fun. I had a working bee to help with the weeds. They were like two feet high weeds, like mm. just of everything and the weed seed bank in the soil at the moment. Massive. I don't even want to think yeah. about it. It's <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> there were a few plants pulled out that were... Well, I mean, a weed is a plant in an unwanted place. <laughs> well, technically, is. they're all weeds. Well, exactly. There are a couple of plants pulled out that um, I would have liked to have been left there, but oh, right. I'm grateful for the help. Did so. you know they were there before they, the weeding started? Yeah, yeah I did. Okay, that, right. Well, one in particular, it was um, a little um, 
ground cover Hibertia. Mm. And um, it was a little bit straggly anyway, but mm. it was just one of those weird forms that I got from Karanga yeah, and I was sort okay. of babying it. But right. it looked a little bit sticky and they would have just seen that and gone, and that, looks, psh- like, that yeah. looks like rubbish, I'm going to pull it out, you yeah. know, with all the other weeds yeah. that are surrounding it. So. That's the danger when you get help from the uninitiated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be collateral damage <laughs> yeah. along the way. That was, yeah, there was a little bit of collateral, but I'm grateful for the help because we got rid of so many weeds. Well, <laughs> as Stephen would say, you know, uh, an empty bit of ground is an opportunity. So. <laughs> yeah. I have since planted something there. Oh, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's start talking about some of the amazing plants you've brought in. And uh, you've got an Australian native orchid, I think. Yeah, there. so I have a really cool selection. I'm, I actually moved into my grandparents' place 12 months ago to, to help look after it. And mm-hmm. um, my nana loved her native orchids. And this is one of them. Um, Dendrobium, mm-hmm. I, I believe the species is Kingianum. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Where it doesn't have much of a smell. A little bit. So these are they, they're all very old. These orchids that I've got, and they've always flourished, and um, we've never babied them or anything like that. And um, I know Nana looked after them, but they were never babied. They're just they're in the right spot okay. basically. Yep. So they're facing east. Right. Morning sun. Morning sun, yep. and they're um, against they're against the carport, so they don't get the hot they don't get the hot afternoon huh. sun. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, there's a bit of shade cloth over them mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and some, and some ferns and stuff around. So, yeah, they, they get the morning sun. They are protected, although this one is, is just out of this, the shade cloth area. Mm-hmm. And as we can see here, and you'll be able to see it in the photo on Facebook too, um, it's the leaves got burnt by frost that we had about a month ago, the ah, last really heavy frost. Right, yep. And um, the, other, the other orchids were protected. They're okay, but this one got damaged and there were flower buds on it and as we can see it still flowered flowered prolifically so mm-hmm. the frost didn't kill or didn't damage the flower buds mm-hmm. it's just damaged the the foliage which yep. is you know it's it's browned off now it's a little bit crinkly but there's so many flowers on it there, this year it's gorgeous um i haven't had any flowers on it for the last couple of years um and i I think, was it Richard that was on a couple of yes. weeks ago, was saying that you have on-off years with orchids? You do. So I watered, I watered these throughout last summer in the hope of giving them a bit of a kick for this season. How often do you water them? Uh, it was probably maybe twice a week during twice the summer. And I, oh. I, I didn't water them at all during winter. Yep. Um, I will get round to sea-soling them now as well. I haven't mm. sea-soled them since I've been in. Um, but sea sol's really good as, a, as a, like a foliar, mm. um, uh, not fertiliser essentially, a foliar feed. Um, feed. A spray. Yeah, yeah. A, sp- a spray for them. Um, and, it, I mean, their, their roots are, are all up and out um, for the for these epiphytic orchids mm. as well. So mm. I will get around to sea soling them. But it's just <coughs> it's just a mass of flowers and, you know, beautiful pink orchid flowers and it's just beautiful. Um, it's so nice to look at, and I haven't put much effort into it, and it's just done this, and I'm really happy. <laughs> How often would you um, have to remount something like that? Because it's on a bit of um, a bit of old tree fern, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the, it's it's holding together this yep. old bit of tree fern, and right. this would be, I'd say, this would be twenty to thirty years old. Yeah, this right. Orchid. Okay. Um, and it's it's. Got fit, you know, it's just hung by fishing line, and mm. I think I had to redo the fishing line when I moved in last year on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I don't know how I would go about remounting this. I think yeah, it'd okay. be a bit of a mess. I, I, I think I what I would do... I actually wouldn't do it no. at the moment. While I'm not going to do break, it at the moment. No. no. It while doesn't it's need not it. breaking apart, it really doesn't need no, it. No, it's still together at the moment. And They're yeah, very forgiving. Apart. They are. They, I mean, they grow, they grow on rocks. Exactly. And I've seen them growing yeah. on yep. the Pambula River in New South Wales, the, uh, the, the larger, the Dendrobium speciosum, the big one. Mm-hmm. I've seen them growing on rocks facing north. So, and on, like, right on Pambula River Mm. mouth, which is, you know, right where the sea is and, you know, so salt spray and all that, Mm -hmm. and they grow and flower. So I'm not worried about remounting this at the moment. And they're very tough as well, you know. Oh, they really are. If it is, I'll just find another bit of tree fern and wrap it around. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's all you have to do, I'm sure. Wrap it around a tree fern um, block. Yep. 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 Yeah. And wouldn't, there wouldn't be any need to be particularly careful with it either. You could probably no. just get stuck into it with a hatchet yeah. and divide yeah, you it can. up. Yeah, you can. So the other Dendrobium kingianum I have is on a rounded um, tree fern um, uh, stump block, mm-hmm. and but the whole orchid has filled both sides. Oh, wow. Wow. Of, and that's really specky as well. That, cool. Yeah. But that um, the, the fishing line that that was hanging up on broke uh, recently, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do it's so big anyway. I just wrapped it with fishing line again, and I'm sure it's it's probably cut through and strangled a couple of the little, um, of the little what do you call it stalks. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much plant there that you know it's, it's not going to matter really. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Collateral damage. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a beautiful little thing and. Um, it's flowering prolifically yes. at the moment, isn't yeah, it? It's this really has been, this real, as Richard was saying, this has been a fantastic year. I've yeah. got one of the big dendrobium, you know, rock orchids, mm-hmm. um, which has been in a pot for years and years, but yeah. it is so, so <laughs> busting out of the pot <laughs> yeah. that my job, um, as soon as it finishes flowering, and it's flowering prolifically at the moment, I have to literally get it out of the pot, and Richard was saying, you know, just you can take an axe to it, just Mm. chop it Mm. in half, in quarters, Mm -hmm. repot it, and um, I'm off and away again. And and, and as soon as they finish flowering in in springtime, this is the time to be doing it. So, um, (laughs) that's a job waiting for me. (laughs) (laughs) I do have some of the other dendrobium, the speciosum, larger flowering ones at home as well, and I've got five flower spikes at the moment, it's so nice. Cool. It's just beautiful. And they have an amazing perfume. Mm. Uh, mine don't. I keep sticking but my nose in them. But maybe you've got them outside um, and it's wafting yeah, away from maybe. you. Because when Richard brings them into here, yeah. the whole studio oh, really? is filled with perfume mm. from them after a little while. Okay. Well, maybe it's a time of day thing as well. Maybe it's just it sniff could them in the be. morning. It yeah, could be. It could be. Yeah. 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 Mm. Or maybe maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's when they warm up, mm. you know, middle of the day. So try That's both true. and stick your nose I in. I will. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> stick my nose in where it's not wanted. <laughs> oh, no, no. It won't mind. <laughs> yeah. It can't talk. No. <laughs> oh, but that's great. That, yeah, that is beautiful. just stunning. And the colour, that, that mauve. With a little, um, almost a white centre, it's just, yeah. just little, adorable. Little dancing ladies. Yes. Mm. No, yeah. just I very sweet, yeah. gorgeous. What else have you got there, Chloe? Um, I have this little bit of a specky um, calistamin. Mm. So it was a present with benefits. I bought it for my dad. <laughs> but 
It's called Callistamon Mr. Foster, so my surname is Foster. I thought, right. got to have this you in got to have that, yeah. That's like giving your dad a dad joke for, some, for a present, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll get this for dad. That's <laughs> really for me. <laughs> but it's turned out to be the most beautiful coloured Callistamon. So... Callistamine or bottle brushes, are, most of them are red flowering. Mm-hmm. You can get the different coloured flowers. Mm-hmm. This one is really, really dark burgundy, and mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. And out, outside in the garden, the burgundy really stands out, but also the other thing that stands out is the, I believe it's the filaments on the ends of mm-hmm. the bottle brush. They're very, very bright, goldy yellow, mm-hmm. and in the garden it really stands out. It's quite similar to the um, Hinchinbrook Callistamine as well with the really the darker flower. And, and the brightly bright yellow um, filament on the end. I was doing a bit of reading on this. Apparently, the flowers on Mr. Foster can get to about 20 centimetres. Is that wow. right? Wow. Yeah. So this is only this plant has been in for three years mm-hmm. in in the garden, and we've had the odd flower on it. But this year, every every branch has a flower on the on the end of it at the moment mm-hmm. and the ones that have opened so far are the ones that are against the brick wall of the house ah yeah no, radiated yeah. so the Warm. heat has, yeah. has popped them open yeah yeah um which is really interesting so this is planted um on the northwest facing side of of my parents place mm-hmm. against a brick wall under the eaves so it's a really dry spot uh, we watered it we've watered it the last you know the last couple of summers to to get it established and yep. we'll probably keep watering it for this summer as well but after that i sort of leave things alone yeah callistamines that's so tough they're just they're so extremely tough. exactly tough. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it is a it's sort of in the medium to large shrub range okay it, it'll get to it's only about 1.5 to 2 meters wide so mm-hmm. it is a narrower yeah, one okay um, and it should get to about three to four high if you okay. don't prune it. Mm. Yep. Um, and calistamines respond really, really well to pruning. So mm. it is something that will keep pruned. And if it keeps putting out flowers like this, then I'll probably just cut them and put them in a vase. <laughs> anyway, um, it, yeah, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful colour. It, and it's not a variety that you see around every day. Mm. Um, so I'm really glad that I bought this present for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. No, nice. it's, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, calistamines are so tough. They're really good in really in wet, boggy spots that get dry, you mm. know, that dry off in summer. And yeah. once you get them established, they're just going to keep growing. So, and they come in a range of colours and sizes too. So, And they're one of those great plants as well that when they, when you, you have one of the kind of larger, shrubby, small tree species, if they get a bit too big for their boots, just mm. get stuck into them and yep. cut them back because mm. they yep. love it, absolutely love it. I did that. We've got um, Callistum and Little John, <coughs> yep. which is meant to be a small shrub one by one metre. Well, mm. it got to about two by two metres at yeah, home. Right, okay. uh, this is after, it's be 20 years old, the one in mum and dad's garden as well. Mm-hmm. And it was getting really straggly in the middle, still flowering on the ends. But I thought, all right, I'm going to see how we go. I pruned it back till there was about two foot worth of branches around it. There was no greenery left. Yep. It was just the, the corky bar. Did your mum or dad come out and go, <gasps> Mum was okay. Mum trust me. Dad was like, you killed that. You have killed that. <laughs> and I said, no, no, no. It'll grow back. I'm thinking it better grow I back. Hope. <laughs> it did. And it's just, it's now, out of every little, there was obviously little growing points all up 
these branches yep. that were underneath the plant. It's yep. just this ball of green, yeah. bluey green fluff now with flowers on it. It looks better than it ever did, I'm it's, sure. Yeah, yeah, it does yep. look better. And now I'll be able to keep it more regularly pruned and keep it mm. dense and fluffy as mm. opposed to just letting it go. So yes. I pruned that really hard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> okay, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Uh, we are running through until 9.15, so if you'd like the opportunity to... Uh, Ask a gardening question this morning. We'd love you to give us a call. The number is 94190155 to speak to James or Chloe. Uh, or if you'd like to have a chat to Liz on the outside line, 94198377. James, let's go to you and a couple of the things you've brought in. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Seeing as we were talking about smelly plants before, I just brought in ah. a little bunch of sweet peas. Because yes. I'm just picking bloody armfuls of them at the mm. moment. and. I went, when we were away on our trip, um, my neighbour said, uh, can I come in and use your fire pit while you're away? And I was like, yeah, just on one condition, as long as you, as long as you pick the sweet peas while I'm away. And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I got home yesterday and looked into the backyard and I thought, well, Rod wasn't picking the sweet peas, was he? Because <laughs> there was just so many of them. <laughs> So I brought in a little bunch today. Do they today. need to be picked to encourage more growth and flowering or just to keep them under control? To keep them flowering, you need to pick them. Right. Yeah. So I went through the whole planting yesterday and it's quite a substantial planting and anything that had begun to set seed cut off straight away mm-hmm. um, because they will repeat flower all the way into summer proper, really, and even right. beyond. So they're really giving plants when you get your timing right with planting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but look, I I just love them for. I've probably got you know four or five vases in the house no, that I change so every nice. few days yeah. because they just and they're so quick as well once yeah. they start flowering. They yes. just give and give and give for months the and most, months. And they're months. just they're just beautiful. They're like the yeah. shape of the flower yeah. and they're just giant and they're yeah. Oh, that smells so good. <laughs> and the cool. smell I, I know is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Oh. Just they're divine. Really aren't lovely, they? aren't they? Yes, yeah. they're just gorgeous. And it's not—it's not a. It's a really some some plant smells can be a bit more sickly or something like that. But with these, it's a it's a very sweet smell. Well, hence the bloody name, I suppose. This to me. Um, but yeah, look, I really I really like them. They're one of my favourite things to grow, um, and always pretty up the house. Um, but something else I brought in was, and I'm sure I've probably talked about this plant before, to be honest, but, um, it's only just come back into leaf after, um, it's winter deciduous. So it's only just re-sprouted after, um, after its winter dormancy period, but the silver vein creeper, All right. um, a lot of people, a lot of people plant Boston Ivy or Virginia creeper. Um, I've never seen that one before. I know Virginia creeper. Yeah, okay. So you've never seen this. No, yeah, right. Tell me about it's, it. It's one of my favourite plants, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I've got it growing across the front of my the front of my house, um, and compared to Boston ivy or the Virginia creeper, it's much less vigorous. Um, it's it's you know pretty dainty in comparison. Um, but it's got a really nice it's got a really nice habit about it as well. It is it is lightly self clinging. Okay. Um so it's what have you got it growing on? I've got it growing up a little um bit of metal mesh that I tacked to the front of one of the concrete pylons on our front veranda. And then because it is a light um a light self clinger, I strung a wire across the front of the house um mm. to train it along. Turns out 
I didn't really need that anyway. Okay. Um, but it's there for a bit of support if it needs it, and once it gets a bit bigger, especially. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 got this really beautiful little detail on the leaf as well. Hence the the common name is silver vein creeper. But you only you only get that interesting silver venation if you grow it in the shade. Oh, if you okay. grow it in the sun, you lose that venation quite, yeah. or, or you lose the prominence of it to okay. a real large extent. Is yeah. it just the greeny, purpley, greeny red colour of the leaf? Yeah, yeah. Sun, and right. it can get quite a brighter green about it when you grow it in the sun. Oh. Um, but interestingly, it's one of the few deciduous climbers that'll give you really good autumn colour when you grow it in the shade as well. Um, usually you have to get, you know, sunlight plays a big role in the formation of a lot of autumn colour, but with this, it's, it, you seem to be able to get reliable, nice, bright red autumn colour off it, um, even growing it in heavy shade. Um, and one of the other things about it that really separates it out from Boston Ivy or Virginia Creeper is that it, 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 it dangles. It's got a, it's got a pendulous quality about it. Um, and I've got it planted um, along the front of a veranda that we spend a lot of time on in the summertime yeah. um, because my other favourite part of it, and I'm not sure it came up on the Facebook photos that we put up because the fluorescent light in here tends to make things look a bit a Yeah, it does, weird. it does, yeah. <laughs> but it's got this beautiful purple, purpley yeah, yeah, yeah. burgundy colour on the back. And when you're sitting, when you're sitting um, behind it like that and the sun hits it from the front, this purple is even more prominent. Mm. It's almost incandescent when you get a bit of afternoon sun and coming that would be in. Beautiful. Wow. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Really, really gorgeous. Um, grows easily from layering as well. So whenever okay. I want more of it, I just kind of bury a bit underground. Yeah. And then a few months later, I dig it up and pot it up. And it's simple. Yeah. Really, really simple. <laughs> so how vigorous does it get, James? <clears throat> oh, look, you're probably looking at about. It'll get probably. Three to four metres high by maybe seven to eight wide. Okay. Um, But as I said, it's nowhere near as... It's nowhere near as vigorous as your as your Boston Ivies or Virginia creepers, so yeah. it's very easy to keep in check. That's good. Um, Climbers that go crazy are this, scary. This one doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And and I've got it in a spot where it's been established in that spot for about five or six years now and I, I don't water it anymore and mm. it just grows and you know, mm. it's a really, really good plant. Where did you get it from? I originally got it from, I think I got my first plant from Stephen Ryan actually. Okay. Um, yeah, I did actually mm. um, from, up, from up at Dixonia there on Mount Macedon. So they're um, a little bit harder to come by? For some reason... You don't see it a lot in retail nurseries, but yeah. quite a few wholesalers around the city sell it. So I think horticulturally it's quite popular. So it's a, a landscape <coughs> plant. Yeah, very yep. much so. Very much so. But in a in a nursery sense, it's not something that you would see all that mm. often. Yeah, not as often as your Boston Ivies or Virginia yeah. creepers, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Which is a pity because it it's, is a pity because it's, it's, it's a, a great plant. plant. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely it's much fantastic. more delicate than, than those other creepers. Yeah. You it's know? the, it's the kind of thing what you can, I really love about it. And it's not going to rip anything apart no, or anything like that. Exactly. It's, it's really easy to, to keep it doing what you want it doing yeah. without yeah. it getting away from Something it. Something that yeah. does well in the shade too is always a bit of a bonus. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's, it's a really good one. Um, and like I say, if you want that silver venation on the leaf, you've, you've really got to grow it in as much shade as you possibly mm. can. Because mm. the more shade you, you know, as opposed to the more sun you give it, the more it flowers. Yeah. The more shade you give it, the <laughs> yeah, better, you, the yeah. better that patterning becomes <laughs> on the leaf. It's, it's, it's like the opposite from the most <laughs> yeah. of the, the other plants it's the, we do. The counterintuitive part yeah, of the system. Yeah, it is. It is. But yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Um, 
You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. As I mentioned, we've got about another half an hour, so if you'd like to jump on the phones and give us a call, 94190155 to speak to the team on air or to speak to Liz on the outside line, 94198377. We had a call on the outside line. A listener says she has a year-old smoke bush. It has buds on it, but now the branches are long and without many leaves. When should she cut it back? I'm thinking smoke bush, my head goes straight to the native smoke bush conosperm, but I think maybe cottonous. Yeah, yes, it'll be cottonous. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, James? Anytime you want, really. Even if it is budding yeah. now, give it a cut back. Um, it's one of those things that if you don't prune it regularly, it can grow into a small tree, but mm. you can keep it into quite a tight shrub if you prune it annually as well. Um, when, and when I was at TAFE, we used to use the cottonus as a pruning pruning practice. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it used to just get hit back to the ground yep. each year. Yep. So depending how she has it, yep. yeah. So the only, the only problem good. is I know someone that, that went out and pruned their cottonus every year regularly and then wondered why they never got flowers because uh, they were pruning uh, at the yeah, wrong right, time. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. So you do have to be careful. So yeah. any time, but maybe not. I'd, I'd wait till after flowering. Mm. Yeah, that's get a smart that, move. Get that display. That's, and then, that's a general rule. And that's rule a general for rule anyway. Pre- yeah, for yeah. most plants anyway. Yeah. yeah. But they're tough as. And it's another yeah. plant that loves a prune too. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to go, you know. Always err on the side of being a bit more brutal with it. That's what I mean. that's, <laughs> but that's kind of my rule. That's my rule in life, well. anyway. Really. So. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it can it can handle it. So yeah, yeah, they can yeah. handle it. Yep. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're not going to kill it. No, you won't. <laughs> All right. There's another one you haven't mentioned there, Chloe. That uh, you've got. Um, yeah, I'll bring up this one. Little um, Pimelia. Ferruginia magenta mist, it is called. That's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. Every single stem has a flower on the end of it at the moment, and they're a bright pink umble, I think is the word, so mm-hmm. sort of like an umbrella-shaped mm-hmm. flower, um, umbrella-shaped inflorescence with lots of little flowers mm-hmm. in it, bright pink. Um, it is growing in the really harshest part of our garden, west-facing copse the last of the summer sun every single day. Um, give it a bit of a tip prune each year and it just comes back. It just keeps coming back. Mm. And um, they're, they're a really, really tough little plant, these p- pimelias. They also come in white as well, So, um, which I think it's, it's getting more popular as a landscape plant because they're so... Um, because they're so tough and they're, the foliage is bright green and a little bit shiny. So they do kind of fit in with exotic plants as well when you, when you do want to mix mm-hmm. really good for little birds and bees mm-hmm. and stuff as well because there's so many flowers on it. And with, that, with this little specimen that you've got at the moment that's mm-hmm. flowering right at the terminal, but once yeah. that finishes, do the other buds then take over so you get quite a long flowering season out of it? Yeah, you, it does flower for a while. Okay. But those, the flowers that are on there now last for quite a while too. Right. So what I think will happen is the buds that are about two inches down the stem yep. will grow up and flower right. up the top as well. Right. It's um, a beautiful shade of pink, actually. It is, really yeah. Nice. It's really bright. Not too in your face. Yeah. Pink can be a bit <laughs> it like can that. Be. Can <laughs> it can be. It can be. But pimelias. Uh, I, I think that species would be from WA. Mm. Most of the really specky Australian natives are. Yes, <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> so good drainage. Good drainage. Um, 
but they do really well in dry spots. I yeah. just wouldn't have them sitting in in really in a really boggy spot. So anything yep. else, they'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine they'd take a fair amount of heat. Yeah, they take a lot of heat. Yeah, yeah, they can take a lot of heat. Uh, I haven't planted one against a brick wall, but I probably wouldn't be afraid to plant one against no. a brick wall yeah, either. Okay. So, yeah, they're they're just they're so tough. When it was younger, um, I pruned I I tip pruned it. I've tip pruned it from a really young age, and they stay to push it out a to bit. push it out, and they stay really dense. But they only get they're less than a meter. Um, I've probably seen some bigger, more unpruned ones about a meter, but they're just yep. a, they're a beautiful small shrub, and they they're quite rounded naturally as it is. <coughs> and if you tip prune them from a young age, the flower they flower on new growth, so mm. um, it gives you more flowers and it keeps the plant. Nice and dense. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, they're beautiful. Okay, let's go to our first caller, and we have uh, Wendy in Reservoir. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Uh, enjoy your show very much. Thank you. Learning lots about it. Good. Um, yeah, I I've actually was ill for a couple of months, so I've missed out on the planting season for my bulbs and also for pruning roses. Um, with the bulbs uh, to store them for next year, should I put them in a brand paper bag or plant them in soil? And is it too late to prune my roses now? No, I'd get stuck into the roses mm. right now. Definitely. Yep, yep. yep that's yep. not a problem. And with the bulbs, what bulbs are you growing? Uh, well, actually, I've got some daffodil and some freesia right. and... Um, Hyacinth, I think, yes. Okay, so you've got those bulbs and you haven't planted them out at all yet, or? No, have no. they shot? Yeah. Um, I don't think so, no. Right, right. Look, I would, I would, I would probably just put them in the ground and see how they go next year. Okay. They're probably, they're yeah. probably not going to do anything for you now. Yeah. Um, but they might, you know, they they might survive over the over the summer underground. The only thing is, because they haven't they haven't um shot up, you won't. You've got to remember where they are. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> you could put a fork through them and. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you very much. Oh, the oh. other thing is, um, yes, I've got some um, uh, fruit tree seedlings, some peaches um, that my aunt gave me. That are about or half a metre high. Is it too late to plant them out now? Um, no, absolutely not. That'll be a really good time to be planting them out now, as the soil's warming up and they'll be coming back Perfect into active time. growth. Yeah, yeah they will rock it off. Water them well. Water them well yeah. and regularly because yeah. you want to get them established and plenty of um, liquid seaweed. Wonderful. To try and encourage that root growth. Thank you. She also gave me some bamboo, and I'm just not sure uh, should mm. the bamboo face west north. East, south. East, south. Bamboo. Yeah, yeah. They don't mind a bit of shade, but but proceed with caution with bamboo as well, because mm. unless you right. know unless you know what you've got, yeah. it could end up absolutely. So you want to make sure that <laughs> put it in a pot <laughs> yeah. until you know you what you're dealing with. You want yeah. a clumping okay. bamboo, not a not a rhizome. Not a runner. A Wonderful. Bamboo. Okay, I'm going to have a busy day today. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. James, while we've got you on, yep. um, first thing I wanted to ask you about, because I know you planted it, I don't know if you've still got it, yam daisies. Yeah. I... How did they go? Did you ever harvest them? Um, you know, how, do, how did you find them going in, in a Melbourne um, climate? They went really well. Um, the best spot I planted them and the spot that they did, they did really well in was actually in the veggie patch. Okay. 
So, I've done that too. Yeah. That's, mine's going ballistic. And they go absolutely gay. So they yeah. actually like a really rich soil, surprisingly. I, I think, I think considering, considering when European settlement happened, that there were vast swathes of grassland, especially in Victoria. Yes. Um, I think despite the fact that that topsoil was not very deep. It was incredibly rich. Yeah. Right. And so things like the that. The volcanic plain soil is so nutritious. Is that, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So planting them in a, in a vegetable garden kind of situation, I think is the best way to grow them if you're going to eat them. Um, cause I, I experimented with some of them on my nature strip as well, which I didn't do any in soil improvement in. I don't do any watering of. Yep. Um, apart from putting something in the ground and watering it in, that's, that's it. Everything there is on its own from that point on. Um, I was hoping that they would do well yeah. there, but they didn't. But they, they, didn't. they lasted a couple of years and just looked a bit sickly and yep. just kind of gave up the ghost, really. Okay. Um, but growing them, growing them in a veggie patch situation, mm. really, really good. And, yeah. and, and did you get a decent sized tuber? Yeah. So I put in about a dozen plants and okay. we got about four or five hundred grams of tubers wow. off of okay. that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. So that's what not did- bad at all. Did you cook them up and eat them? Yeah, yeah. You, how'd of, you do it? Just in the oven in a bit of foil. Yeah. So yeah. just kind of just simple. Just them? Yeah, yeah, kind of coconutty. The coconut, coconuttiness kind of surprised me and very kind of creamy texture as well. Did you peel really? them first or I just not bother? Good, I just, just gave them scrub. Them? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep, so like a carrot, you don't have to peel it. No. Yeah. No. And like a carrot, probably all the goodness is in the skin. Exactly. Well. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I try and not peel anything. Yeah, yeah I don't yep. peel anything. Yeah. Saves time too. <laughs> but look, I I really liked it. I re- I really like growing them. The only thing the only thing that stopped me growing them again is that I think I think the cost of them as a food crop is quite prohibitive because <laughs> yeah. when you when you pay three to four dollars per tube and you have to put in a dozen of them to get half a kilo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a pretty, there are other yeah. pretty expensive curiosity. Grow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that you said that that they did well in your veggie patch because mm. I threw a few plants that I got from the last Cranbourne Friends plant sale into an old part of veggie patch in my garden yep. just to see how natives would go mm. in a highly fertile. Mm. Um, sort of really loamy soil, mm-hmm. and the thing that's doing the best is the yam daisy. There you go. And yeah. I did, I thought that would might freak out from all the nutrients, yeah, yeah. and and drop over. But it, yep. it the clump has doubled in size. Mm. I think there might be one or two flowers coming up at the moment. Yep. Okay. But it's so chunky at the moment, mm. and it's so green mm. and lush. Prolific. And yeah. Pro- absolutely prolific. prolific. Yeah. It's just a shame that when you know, I don't want to dig it up and eat it though. <laughs> <laughs> well, dig it up and divide it because you know. Yeah, maybe. That's, yeah. That's, that's what. That's how they used to be harvested as well. They used to be pulled up and you know divided, and some thrown back in the ground. Yeah. And, and others kept for food. So that's a good way to do it I as might, well. I might try that because mm. I'd like to get a few more in because when they do flower, they're mm. a beautiful flower. They're as gorgeous, well. really, really yeah. nice, and yeah. and I quite like the foliage on them as yeah. well. Yeah, and um, the seeds germinate really easily. I've never done them from seed, yeah. and I was. Going I'm going to ask if anyone had, so it's glad to know. When I was at the gardens, so when they run school programs, um, they one of the one of the plants that we grow for the education programs was mm-hmm. Chrysocephalum, the billy buttons, which mm-hmm. strikes really easily. The other one um, is the yam daisy seed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you just sprinkle it on top of a tray and sprinkle a little bit of soil on just to sort of settle the seeds down yep. and they all germinate. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, I had a couple of seeds on my plant at home that came off, so I've just thrown them in on the ground at the moment, so hopefully they germinate, mm. but they're pretty easy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so right. if you well, sprinkle some on top that of a That eliminates your cost. Well, that's right. right. That yeah, brings it, it way yeah. down. So if you keep, and, and what we did in the, in the garden's nursery, we just had a, a large tub mm. of a little crop of mm-hmm. yam daisies mm. and we let that flower and collected all the seed and then um and then planted the planted the seed out. So yeah, right. yeah you could keep a crop and, and mm. grow some and dig some up for, for food as well. The little experimental crop that I did grow that did do really well, I thought, geez, I would l- I would love to grow that long term as a food crop, but it's mm. something that you'd have to devote an entire bed to, I reckon, to get yeah. to yes. get any real use out of it. Yeah. It's something that was kind of Wild grown and and wild harvested, um, trying to translate it to a backyard vegetable yeah. garden situation. It's pretty tricky yeah. actually, but you yes. can but you can do it. It's yeah. doable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I got pretty good, decent sized tubers as well. I was so. say, how old were the tubers when you pulled them out? Were they in for a year or? Um, I put them in. I put them in. It was a few years ago, but I put them in in late summer, early autumn, and I harvested in early summer. Okay. Um, and they they did they did they did well. The biggest tubers that I got were kind of thumb sized, which is quite large mm. for for yam daisies. From what from what I'd seen in the past, I thought it was quite large for mm. a yam daisy. Um, but yeah, that point about the about the nutrient level um, for something like that, I, I think I think. I think we had a, a bit more rich topsoil than we used to before hard-hoofed animals got here. Yeah, um, and it all washed away. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of those smaller herbaceous grassland things, yeah. I think they actually enjoy a bit of extra nutrition. Mm, yeah. yeah. So maybe try some Jerusalem artichokes or some um, sweet potatoes next. I've tried Jerusalem artichokes and never again. Never again? Because I'm still digging them up. Yeah. Oh, no, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and I think we planted five tubers and we got something like 80 kilos. Yeah. So, yeah and I'm just like... No, nah, maybe nah. when the apocalypse happens, I'll be growing <laughs> yeah. that one. But <laughs> it's like potatoes. My pa planted them in the garden 25 years They're ago, still and I'm up. still pulling them up at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, sweet potato would be a sweet good one. Sweet potato would yeah. be a good one Absolutely. because you can use the young leaves as well. <laughs> That's true. That's I haven't very grown true. sweet potato before. Do they go? Are they controllable? They don't get out of hand here. Okay. Really. No, they don't get yeah. out of good. hand. Yeah, they're, pr- they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've got the yak on that I got off of um, I got off of uh, Karen last time oh, I was here, yeah. so I've got that in. Haven't seen it coming up yet, but haven't yeah. checked for it either in a few weeks. So I might be doing that when I get. Oh, it, it, it's it's huge. Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're very big plants. Yeah. Well, I, I put, I put it, it near a year. big frame, and I'm thought, oh, it's probably going to cover that. <laughs> <laughs> I grew it one year in my veggie garden, and it 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 really took up a lot of room. Mm. The trouble was that I personally didn't. Totally didn't care for it, like the yeah. the, the tuber. Yeah. But then Stephen has said that um, what you have to do with it to increase the sugars mm-hmm. is once you've harvested it, you should actually um, leave them out in the sun. Oh, okay. don't eat them straight away. Oh, so yeah. you almost like you know how you cure a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, similar thing. Similar yeah, thing. Right. So so. Don't eat them for a week. Leave them out and let them build up the the starchy well, that's a good sugars. One to know. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't tried that because I didn't get back to ever planting it again. But <laughs> <laughs> next time, be next time. time. <laughs> so you're always looking forward. Always. Yeah. Looking I'm always. Forward, I'm yeah. always. I'm wanting different things to plant. That's yeah. Better. 
It's an adventure. It yeah. is. I mean, I, I couldn't bear to just plant the same thing every year. Mm. It would no. be boring, and, yeah, and my diet would be boring. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I have to experiment. Have we all got our tomato seeds in at the mm. moment or germinating? No. Or, I, no? I, put plant, I put punnets in. I don't do them by seed. Oh, really? I'm not yeah, patient okay. enough. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I've, I've, we had our last frost only a week ago. <laughs> yeah, okay. So oh. I hold right back. Yeah, I right, usually, right. I usually don't get round to, to planting my veggie garden until it's quite, until, you know, October. Yeah. Then okay. I go crazy yeah, yeah. and get everything in in a hurry so that it'll be in long enough for me to harvest. I'm fortunate enough to have a wee greenhouse in my backyard. Oh, that lucky I built you. And yeah. it's got a, I, I put an automatic watering system in it before we went away on our trip oh, as wow, well. Oh, yeah, fancy. It's kind of critical time of year for yes. sowing tomato seeds yep. and you should, should really have done it already. Um, and I was probably a week or two later than I would have liked to be. Yep. Um, but then I thought, well, if I don't put in this watering system, I'm not going to be able to grow these mm. bloody tomatoes again because last year I had to buy them from, from the nursery. Um, so yours are seed that you collected last season? No, seed that I ordered, okay. yeah. I just like, you, you get a better choice of varieties oh, oh, and stuff. Oh, huge choice. So <laughs> I was always trying to, <laughs> trying to decide what you want and, you know... I used to. So I used are they heirloom varieties? Yeah, yeah, they 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 Lovely. all are. Yep. Yeah, I just think that you get a bit give it a bit more interesting diversity and stuff. Oh, with the and flavor yeah. and yes, and no, flavor. I love them. I'd rather yeah. I'd rather sacrifice a little bit of yield for yep. flavor and even just the look of some of them. You know. Oh yeah, um, mm. and the colors. Yeah, that's the colors right. Colors are amazing. So what can you remember? Some of the varieties you've got in one of the only varieties that I've that I've regrown this year. Um, all the other ones are new ones that I haven't grown before, but okay. I'm growing Tigerella again yes, because it's that's just a good it's one. one of the most prolific yep. tomatoes I've ever grown yep. ever in the history of my life. I love Tigerella <laughs> and green tomatoes. It's really good. You know, yeah, green the zebra. green green zebra is oh, pretty good. Oh, green zebra, too, yeah. I love it's that fabulous. one. Fabulous, I yeah. love the flavour. It just looks good. Oh, it's beautiful to eat too. Yes, yeah. There's another one. I'm growing two orange ones. One flame, which I actually have also grown before as well. So I told a lie there before. Okay. Um, but good, good yield. Really great flavour. Um, and it is kind of carrot orange tomato, yep. Um, yep. and as a kind of a, a, a brother to that or a sister to that, I'm growing um, sunrise bumblebee. It was a new oh. variety that diggers were offering this year, but it looks like a mini tigerella except that it's orange, more mm. more kind of an orange mm. colour. I've tried pink bumblebee. Oh yeah, which, how was that? That a fantastic flavour, okay. right. and and any of those. Cherry tomatoes are always really prolific. Mm. Yeah. You know, if you don't have room for, for big tomatoes, the mm. cherry tomatoes are fantastic. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. So when I got home yesterday, the first thing I did was run into the backyard and open up the greenhouse and see see how everything was going. Yep. Everything's germinated. And, and it's oh, full of the irrigation system didn't pack up. Didn't pack it in. Oh, just worked great. the whole time. Worked like a treat. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah, Good. Excellent. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and again, that's uh, because it's something I know you've experimented with, particularly in your nature strip. Yeah. Um, Australian native grasses. Mm. You've planted a few different sorts. Which mm-hmm. ones have you found particularly good and which ones have been uh, particularly good for bird attracting? For bird attracting? Um, I'd, I'm not sure I can answer the bird attracting one very well because we just we just don't really get a lot of um, native birds where we are. Really? We get a lot of interlopers, yeah. Okay. So oh, that's a shame. We, we're lucky to get magpies and the the local turtle doves, mm. the occasional wattle bird, and maybe a little silver eye here and there. But, okay. But that's that's we we don't really get you know we don't get wrens or or, or any other honey eaters or anything like that around right. where we are. So, okay. 
Um, but in terms of in terms of kind of ornamental value for those for those local grasses, um, I I've used a wallaby grass extensively on my nature strip that's just beginning to show signs of um, starting to starting to flower at the moment. Okay. And it's really despite the fact that it's been dry as well the last well all winter it's been so incredibly bloody dry. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. everyone's going to agree with yeah. me. It's just, you know, there's been such a dearth of rain. It's ridiculous. Um, but despite that, the grasses are doing really well. Um, the, the little wallaby grass that I've got is Ostranthonia geniculata, or I think it's now, I think it's now Brytidosperma. It's had a name change and, oh, you um, yeah. but need wallaby grass is its common name. Um, and it's a little stout grower. It only gets to about 15 or 20 centimeters high at its highest kind of flowering height. Um, beautiful, really almost kind of fluffy seed head. So when it puts up its flowers, it's, um, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's not technically a flower because it's a, it's a, it's a grass really, isn't it? Um, but, uh, it's once, once it sets the seed and the seed begins to develop, the seed itself is like, is like a little kind of fluffy rice bubble kind of thing oh. with a big awn coming off it. And when you get when you get the glooms that are full of seed all together, it's on mass the effect is really beautiful. Mm. So that's kind of the main species that I've got growing to tie everything in together in okay. my in my nature strip. And okay. it always does a really beautiful job of that. So how do you manage it? Do you cut it right back to ground or Yeah, I've 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 experimented a few times and a few different methods of um, of because there has to be there has to be some element of biomass reduction at some point you know yes. like you would usually mow a lawn mm. um, with those native grasses they really do need a seeing to um, at least once a year um, and I've I've given them a pretty low brush cut before and then just raked up. Um, raked All up the dead. thatch, yeah, yeah, and and I think that I think that method is probably better for recruitment because um, you leave you actually leave a lot of the seed that the grasses it's produce fallen into in, the soil. Yeah, that's it, right. Yes. So so you're going to get even more lush. <coughs> growth next time yeah as but opposed to a mower would take it all away if you well that's it. right potentially yeah. depending on what time of year you did it yeah, yeah definitely yeah. that would definitely be the case um and i've also experimented with fire as a method of weed control i wondered that and found it very interesting and to fun. watch go on that yeah so and fun. stressful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you call up the mfb and say this is happening i, I should have i yeah. certainly should have um but look i i did it in Tiny little patches, yep. so it's it's if if I was expecting the whole thing to go up whoosh in ten minutes, I yep. definitely would have done that. Yeah. But I was I was very very careful <laughs> when I did it. Um, and you know, obviously, obvious caveats is don't do it in the height of summer. Don't do it when it's really yeah, windy. Of course, oh, obviously, you know, yes. Um, but the hose on standby. Yeah. I, I used it to control a, a vulpia that that had, that had come up in alarming numbers that had just never been there before. One year, we just noticed it and went. This is crazy the amount of this vulpia there is and we tried to hand weed it so we got out our little camping chairs and put them down and tried to pull it out by hand <laughs> so for an hour and a half neither of us moved the chair oh, that, we, oh. that we were sitting in and i just went this, this isn't working Whoa. this isn't working because it was growing amongst stuff that we wanted to keep so in the end i was just putting a lighter to it and yeah. <laughs> going hey look it actually burns really well <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you got some good recruitment. Well, yeah, we definitely burnt burnt the vulpia at a time before its seed had set or matured, 
Um, so burning that back to stumps, it's a weedy annual grass. Um, we've had very little of that come back this year, and what we oh, have had good. come back, it's easily hand-pulled. Yeah. So, um, and I've noticed as well, I threw a whole lot of... Um, chocolate lily seed around a few years ago that just mm. never did anything. Yep. But since the fire's gone over it, hey ah. presto, all of a sudden ah. they've germinated right. and yeah. they're growing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Have you put um, bulbine lily in? I put a couple in, um, hoping that... Cause I'd, I'd grown bulbine lily a lot when I did um, bushland regeneration, and yep. we actually found it quite weedy with some of yeah. the plantings that we did. So I was hoping it would do the same thing in the nature strip, but yep. unfortunately... Yeah, they, they just packed it in as well. I'm not sure whether there's an influence with the street tree that's in it that's kind of yeah, holding things yeah. like that back. Because they've gotten a little bit weedy, like it's a good weedy, in this mm. section of my garden that mm. I've put them in. All these around about three tubes that I put in, mm-hmm. all these little green juicy things have come up. <laughs> and I'm like, is that the bulb? Yeah, I didn't they're good know like they that. did that. No, they are. They usually yeah. do. Yeah. They're usually very easy recruiters. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm really excited for a mass of them. <laughs> they're beautiful <laughs> good flowers. Good to have. <clears throat> okay, let's go to Jill out in East Malvern. Good morning, Jill. Hi, how are you? We're well. Um, I've got a Daphne that I didn't prune by giving out flowers because it didn't really have perfume. I think I might have overwatered it. Is that possible? Hmm. Anyway, now I should I prune it now? Because, but then I read that you should do the cuttings for December. Uh, do you want to take cuttings of it or do you want to prune it? Yeah, well, I can, well, I can do half of it. <laughs> you can do both the, at the same time, I suppose. It's quite yeah. large now. <laughs> um, look, I'd be pruning now, to be honest. Um, yeah. And now would be a good time to be striking cuttings as well. Um, oh, well, that's fine. I'll do that. All right. I mean, has it finished flowering? No, no, it's finished flowering. Yes, yes. Just so I starting, just starting to, you know, the new little leaves coming out yep, with yep. the flowers. Well, well, I'd, I'd do it. Get out there nice yeah. and quickly and get stuck into it. Oh well, today is good. It is <laughs> a perfect day I to do it. Just have to brag and say the red um, baronia is flowering for the fourth year. Oh right, well yes. done. So I've got the Daphne at its feet, and to the north of it, I've got a rosemary that I keep pruned and I think the rosemary shields the roots of the baronia, you know, from the northerly sun mm. and it's yep. they're, they're towards the east so they never get westerly. So it's a nice little combination. Perfect. <laughs> mm. Fantastic. And flowers in different times. Yep. Yes. That's great. Okay. Anyway, Good thanks. on you, Jill. Thanks, Pam. Bye. Bye, Bye Jeremy. <laughs> James. You've got some other plants we haven't talked about? Oh, I've got this one that yes, I brought in. Yes, yes. What's I, that one? And that one definitely went up on the website, on the Facebook thing. Yeah. Um, you can tell I'm not into the social media. Kind of. <laughs> it's on the Facebook, yeah. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a new sedum for me. I got it from Lamley. It was in their latest catalogue, um, and I just thought, oh, I like the look of that. Mm. Um, so it's a, the, the cultivar is Thundercloud, um, and it's got a very similar growth habit to, um, to like Sedum Spectabile, Autumn yes. Joy, that yep. kind of thing. But it's a little squashed in version of it. It only gets about 20 centimetres tall by about 30 oh, really? centimetres wide. Okay. And the picture, the picture that, um, Lamley had on their website with their latest catalogue, it actually forms a really perfect dome, hemispherical dome. Nice. Um, that then gets covered in a whole lot of white flowers, um, in uh, in uh, summer autumn, um, but 
I just liked it. I, I just liked the look of it. I thought it was a bit. It was a bit kind of weird looking. And it does I look a little bit weird. Give give it a try. Yeah. This year, so <laughs> it you almost know. looks a little bit fake. It does look a bit fake, doesn't it? Kind yeah. of otherworldly or something yeah. like that. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm looking at this this morning, and I thought I'm actually going to I'm actually going to take cuttings off of this and try and multiply it a bit more. Yeah, you'll um, be able to do that pretty easily. Yeah, sedums yep. are pretty giving like that. Yes. So I thought I'll buy. And I love sedums on mass. They look yeah, fantastic. They do. Me too. So yeah. I was thinking of this, and I was thinking if I if I take cuttings off it now, I could probably get a dozen off it, and mm. then it's going to regrow, and I could mm. probably get another dozen off mm. it. So. Then I can get it to a stage where I can actually use it in some clients' gardens and plant, you know, twenty of them at a time. Um, That'll keep it really dense. It's always going to look good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I'm I'm interested to see how that one goes. So you know, a bit of an experiment, but that's gardening. That's what we do. You know, we see exactly. plants you've never grown before. We think I'm going to give that a crack and see <laughs> yeah. how we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've just got a couple of minutes, Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one more plant you want yeah, to mention? Yeah, another one. Um, this is a little ground cover small shrub tea tree called Leptospermum and Pink Cascade, and it's absolutely a mass of flowers it at the moment. It certainly is a mass. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Really, another really tough plant. I've got it in the same garden bed as the Pimelia, so the really hottest part of our garden. Um, it's also growing at Karanganade Nursery in a few spots under some gum trees. And okay. it just flowers prolifically each spring. And it's just, it's beautiful. So the flowers start off um, sort of like a light pink and the buds are a dark pink colour and they age a little bit more white. Mm. Um, they do, this type of <coughs> leptospermum tea tree can get the um, the webbing moth, the tea tree webbing oh, yes. moth. Um, I, it probably sounds a little bit sick, I just like getting a little bit of a stick and like rolling, you just squish them. <laughs> satisfying. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit satisfying. So... <laughs> Um, because they're so dense, the webbing, the webbing moth really they really likes them. You yes. Can, if if I pruned it a little bit more and made it a little <coughs> bit more open, um, it might discourage them a little bit. But then it's then you'd sort of lose that on mass flower effect. Mm. Um, I just sort of lift the plant up once a year and see what what webs are underneath there and go through and squash it or grab it grab an old skewer and um, and sort of uh, weave a web you know sort of weave the web around. Mm-hmm. Um, around the skewer and, and, and rip it out like that. Because yep. um, that sort of webbing caterpillar can totally defoliate um, some little shrubs. It'll, it'll take a while if you don't notice that they're there. Mm. Um, so it comes back to our mindfulness thing, like have a look what's in <laughs> yeah, your garden. Because yes. <laughs> a lot of people, they don't realise that there's something wrong with the plant until it's been totally defoliated by mm, a caterpillar mm. or yes, exactly. you know, some other bug. So, you know, observation, observation. Yeah, yeah. Observe, yep. observe what's out there. Um, but it's you know it's worth pulling the caterpillar out for this. Oh, it is. Plant. Yeah, those yeah. flowers are gorgeous, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're really cute. So it's a big flower, and for a tea tree, I was going to say yeah. it's yeah, quite large. Yeah, mm. um, really, really tough. And there's the birds love it. I can see in the flower cups of these at the moment. There's heaps of nectar, mm. so it's a really good food source for, for mm. birds and, mm-hmm. and insects as well. So, yeah, beautiful little plant. Gorgeous. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time for yet another week. Um, a big thank you to the team, to James and Chloe, and also a big thank you to Doug and Liz, who've been handling the calls this morning. It has been um, a bit different in that uh, first day changeover into daylight saving. There's always quiet. People, <laughs> yeah. people 
always have a good yeah, sleep in, unlike absolutely. the rest of us <laughs> yeah. here. But, um, yeah, we will certainly be back again uh, next week uh, with lots to talk about in the gardening world. So until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.